Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. What's up, you're, nope, this. That's not me. Yep, it is. Um, Still doing um, it. Still doing it. it hurt my what ears. What is happening? Oh, folks, we'll figure it out. Did that work? Can everybody still hear us? I think. That should work. I don't know why there's so many. That still has echo. What is I happening? Can't hear it. That's turned down over there all the way. That's muted. The mic is plugged in here. We shouldn't. Oh, I think it went away. Yeah, I think you're good. I think we're good. Maisha says it's good. Thank you, right. Maisha. Thank you, Maisha. Listen, just trying to keep it real. It's uh, it's that's <laughs> what we're doing here. So this is um, I can't was thinking about it. this. Is kind of like it's like a faculty meeting uh that people want to come to. You know, like I don't, I can't remember ever having a faculty meeting ever. I don't think I was ever excited for a faculty meeting. Maybe if they were talking about we were getting Christmas bonuses, but that was it. And that only happened like one time in my whole life. So, um, and then the next three years, we didn't even get a raise. That's a whole nother story. Anyway, I am thrilled that you are here. I, this is like, look, weekly, you are pouring into yourself, right? Whether you are getting your question answered or you're dry, you're on your way to school and it's Monday morning and you're listening to this, it is pouring into yourself, which is it's. It is the single best thing you can do for you, for your students, for your family, is you getting better. Things in the world don't always get better. School doesn't always get better. Your students don't start acting better. Um, your, if you're hoping your wife would just kind of like get it together, uh, that doesn't always happen, right? right? Or, your or your husband, just saying, <laughs> girl. But the, the idea that you can continuously evolve and get better, helps you handle all things in the world. And so, yes. So we are here as a group to help one another out. You can drop a question in the question section or or just put Q or question before it so we know that it's a question. Um, and that's it. With that, we will we'll jump into your, to your stuff. I know Gian's had a question on here for a hot minute. Um, you ready? Yeah. All right. Hey, All you're right. back on this week, too. I am. I'm still a little hoarse, and I'm going to try not to cough into the mic uh, a million times. Or but... nay. What? That was dumb. Okay. Never mind. Just keep Didn't going. even get it. No. Okay. Glad. We'll start off with uh, Gian is up first, asking, how do you foster intrinsic motivation for those students who have little to no expectations for success in the classroom and don't see a point to coming into school at all? He teaches eighth grade. So there's a, there's a lot I could say about this question. Um, I will try and do so in very short order. Oh. Are you, are Just you, the, I don't like that camera quality, but I know okay. we got to do something about this situation. We're anyway, working on it. Uh, I think that I want that intrinsic motivation, but I'll settle for extrinsic motivation as well, because, um, we all do things because we're going to get a result from them. Like I, I, I don't know that, I wonder, right? Here's a question. 
Would people go to the gym if it just made them feel the way it makes you feel, but you didn't get to look the way that you want to look? I don't know. I think there's part, I think part of it is like, you like people to tell you that, Hey, you've been working out. Like, Hey, you've lost weight. Hey, look really great. Um, I think there's some, I think there's some of it like you looking at yourself in the mirror. I went into the gym last night. I was went to the locker room to get our jackets and these two young guys were in there with like their shirts pulled up <laughs> and I caught them like taking pictures of them. There's mm -hmm. this one mirror in at planet fitness that everyone does it at, or like when people do it, that's where they do it. And I, you would have thought I like caught them doing something they weren't supposed <laughs> to. I was like, dude, it's all, it's all right. You, it's weird. Well, I'm going to leave now anyway. So I think there's that extr extrinsic motivation. So I want to start, like, we'll start there. I think tying parents in is one of the best things you can do. Parents are guardians. Even if those parents or guardians um, aren't necessarily an active participant in their students, like learning process, right? Like there are some, I've literally called home more than once and have been told the same thing by a parent, which is this, I deal with them all night. You can deal with them during the day. Oh, I'm so, wait, what? Huh? What? Like, all right. Okay. Um, but some parents have so much going on that they can't like, if you're a single mom and you're working two jobs and you got four kids and like, I, I can't blame this. That's a lot, right? Shoot, if I'm home alone with two of my kids and they're teenagers and the dog, I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, this is too much for one man to handle. Uh, that being said, I think weekly trackers work well. I think calling home, I think sometimes daily trackers work well, where like a kid has to bring a tracker from class to class to class. It is holding up a mirror so that that student is not living under the illusion that they're doing all right, that this is good enough that what they're doing, that they have to try harder, that they missed an assignment, that they missed a homework assignment, that what was their behavior like today? What was their participation level in today? It's communicating that not only with parents and guardians, but with the student as well. The other thing is uh, sending, so when that tracker doesn't come back on Monday, because you send it home on Fridays, or if it's at the end of the day, you send it home every day. Otherwise, they send them home on Friday. They are supposed to come back on Monday if the student is failing. And then that is sometimes what kids need. They need to be like, we need to all be held accountable, right? This is why we join certain things, why we have mentoring programs and coaching programs, and we have coaches and we have, you know, deep connections with friends in our lives or with our church is because we need folks to sometimes help keep us accountable in certain seasons because we can't do it ourselves. So that might be what a student needs. With regards to intrinsic motivation, I think it gets deeper and I think it's, it's a slightly more time consuming, but it is absolutely worth it. If, and I've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. Students are most young people, I think innately just think about themselves, right? They have, we have not gotten to the place yet where we are like truly thinking of others if that's the case, and that's a broad generalization, I understand. But if that is the case, which there is research to back that up, um, how do we get kids to think about their actions in school right now and how they they're so they're so disempowered or, or, or disillusioned a lot of times because they don't think their actions have any power. And and you sometimes we are not enough to motivate ourselves, right? Like so. But if somebody else is your motivation, sometimes that helps you to push forward, to do more. 
So um, there's a guy I listen to, Ed Milet, has a great podcast. If y'all don't listen to it, it's definitely worth checking out. Ed Milet was told that um, when he was younger, I think he was like smoking and drinking. He didn't work out as much and ate really unhealthily. Went to the doctor that like for just a checkup. And the doctor said, let me ask you something. How old's your daughter? And he said, how old she was. He said, do you want to walk her down the aisle on her wedding day? And he was like, what? He goes, do you want to do it? Or do you want some other man to do it? And he said, excuse me? Um, he said, what are you even talking about? He goes, if you keep living the way you're living, you're not walking your daughter down the, down the aisle. And so the story is a bit longer than that. But he said, in that moment, I realized that I, that's what I wanted. So when I know that I have to go to the gym and I don't feel like it, I want to, I want to walk Bella down the aisle. Uh, when I am like, when I look at the the thing, I really, really, really want to eat, or I want to smoke. Um, I look at, I think, no, I want to walk Bella down the aisle. So what, what we do is what I do is have conversations with students around the idea that their success means more than, than just them having like a nice house or whatever shoes they want or a nice car or some like something like that. It's like not enough for these students. So what I try to do is connect it to, do you have a little brother or sister that is coming up in a way that you think you would, you want better for them? Does your mom or grandma? So when I have guys whose moms and grandmoms are raising them, they're working two jobs just to keep the lights on, keep food on the table to that. They are, they're working so hard so you can do this. But then what is the, what are you doing? What your, your actions are doing right now is that they are showing that if you show up to school, um, that, that when you, when everyone else graduates and you don't graduate, it's a wrap, right? Like now you just have to live with your mom and work some crap job where you're not adding value to this family. You are being a withdrawal. You're being a drain. Do, is that what you want? Or do you want to put in work that if you play this game right, your mom could quit one of her jobs. Your mom maybe could retire early if you play your cards right. That your mom could move out of this neighborhood. And, and so it just, it starts painting a picture of this idea that when our students tell you that they would die for their family, I would die for my family. And I always ask, answer that with, but would you be willing to live for them? And when I can start shifting that mindset, now look, Kids are going to have setbacks like everybody else, right? Just because you're stoked and you're ready to go to the gym and that you heard that, you know, some motivational speech on YouTube and you're ready to dive in on, on January 1st. Um, there's going to be times when you don't feel like it again and you're going to need that teacher. They're going to need you to walk them through it again, to help them see it again. It's leaders are repeaters. It's helping the kids to see this over and over and over again. And this also shows kids that you're not willing to give up on them ever, ever, ever. The last thing I would say, Gian, is don't put more time into those students that are struggling like that than you do everyone else. You need to divide your attention up accordingly because those students do have a tendency or we have a tendency to give them more attention and then other kids are going without. Um, so make sure that you're you're to the best of your ability divvying up your time accordingly. And I think it's, I think it's, I love the, when you tell students that it's a game right? Because it really is. Like you have to go through the process. The game is already built of education, right? You have to do the homework. You have to do participate in class. You have to do these things to get the grade. There's, there's a formula. 
And it's very simple. The formula is not, like, not that complicated, but I think if it's explained in a way that like to some kids, it's like, no, I don't care what you do in life. You want to be a business owner. You want to like push carts at the grocery store, like the cart return. You want to just be a checkout person at a retail. There's still skills that you need, right? Yeah. You still need to have basic communication skills. Like what if you were the best cart pusher and you needed a raise? Like, and you wanted to like make the argument and for a race. Just let's look there's at that a for lot a of skills. So I think it's just reminding kids that like who's the best car best cart pusher you ever saw in your life? Oh, we know it. It's at the shop right in Gloucester City. Yeah. Brooklawn, New Jersey. Yep. There's this young <laughs> dude who was <coughs> his outfit was together. My man wore wore sunglasses all night. And we had gold and, like framed sunglasses. And he, he was... would help people out. <clears throat> let me let me unload that for you. Let me take your cart back for you. And I have often thought of that dude as like, it's not a job of just doing anything. It is you're showing up and being the yeah. best and there's joy in that. And so our students learning how to push through because, because the bottom line is, is there anything wrong with being a cart pusher? No. The bottom line is, is that what you're built for? Like, what were you made for? Yeah, what but is I'm not even arguing that to? point. Like, my but point if you is, don't play the game, you can't get there. Yeah, my point is that there are skills in schools when kids often see that there's no value in school or like, why I even got to come? Why do I have to do this? Like, right? Yeah. There's a value. I don't care what it is in life. You have to have a job at on some level. I don't yeah. care if you're a hustler on the street, pushing carts, or just working a register of retail or a business owner. You need skills to be able to do that job. And so the school teaches you a lot of those skills. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like, Take unless you're just going to lay on your couch and play video games all day and you got some rich person that's just going to bankroll you all day, like there's value in school and playing the game because you learn skills. Whether you think the content is important is irrelevant. Yeah. At least in yeah. my mind. And the more skills, the better job you can have. The, the more choices you have, <clears throat> I'll say. Um and the more choices you have, I mean, that's always better, right? Like, so, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Go ahead, baby. Okay. Um, sorry, I lost. Sorry, I was really going in on that <laughs> one today. All right. Uh, teaching with Mr. Hayes. Ahoy, legends. I love it. One week till our summer break here in Australia. Next year, I'm keen to use a physical planner. Have you ever done this? Tips embracing that new year, uh, new me mantra with organization. So, yes. Um. I have used a physical planner. There's none that I would necessarily recommend, but uh, because I do like writing stuff down in the last two years, though, I'll say uh, I have moved away from writing stuff down unless it's on posted notes because I need it to be, I want everything to be here, everything. And so if I, type it into my Google calendar, then it's on my phone, then it's on my iPad, then it's on my laptop. It's all everywhere. Even when I take notes for books, I keep them in. I have a Google Drive document that I open for every single time I read a book and I keep those notes in there mostly every time I read a book um, because I just found that like I want to be able to, th then I can search them. I can like, uh, like control F and like search for certain terms or or a word that I want or whatever. And it's so much easier to find. So, but I do think that, um, you know, one of the things, gosh, like 
here's one of the things I've I've learned in the last few years, especially with regards to entrepreneurship. But this this applies to teachers as well, and and just people in in general. Um, folks that are successful at anything, they just put in more time than everyone else. Like sometimes you're you have a talent, you have a skill, you have a like like you've been blessed with something, but by and large, it's the people that put in the most reps. How do you put in the most reps? By organizing your time. That anyone who's really successful at anything has become very, very good at ignoring distractions and being very intentional about their time and what they're doing. And when I find that I plan my time accordingly, um, which I ebb and flow with, sometimes, sometimes I'm really, really good at it. Sometimes I'm not as good at it, but I find that my life is just better. I get more out of my day. I get more out of my my life. Um, I, I just I just am a better person. So yeah, so I love planning stuff. Um, and yeah, but I use Google Calendar as like my jam. Interesting. I'm a writer. It doesn't stick unless I write it down. It doesn't stick nearly as well. No. And well, studies would show that that mm-hmm. is the truth. Let me ask you this though, you- It's keeping up with a planner that I think would be difficult with being a teacher. It's like, you have to be really intentional about like going and actually using it but, consistently. Uh, but one of the things I've learned to do, and I used to hate when people did this, when I'd set a meeting with them and they send me a calendar invite and that used to annoy me for some reason. <laughs> but now I do it for people all the time because people yeah. forget. And I don't want to have to follow up with you. I want to set it and forget it and not call you or text you or remind you that we're mm-hmm. doing a thing. I like sending a calendar invite we've even started doing this with the mentorship program. Like when people sign up for mentorship, I try to send you, it's only happened in the last couple of weeks too. So if you were in it before and I didn't do it, that's new. It is sending a calendar invite because it just reminds people that it exists. I'd say the thing with the paper though, is you then have half notebooks all over the place. I do. Well, that's why I said you have to keep up with it because that's (laughs) not, I haven't found success in that part, but I think in picking a planner too, for me, it's real simplified. Like yeah. there's planners put to, I had to buy one for Brody recently for when he started his new, at his new school. And um, they have so much extra stuff in yes. there. That's like wildly unnecessary. I'm like, yo, I need big squares to write things in like as a calendar. And then just maybe some plain areas to write yeah. my own notes. So that's my tip is like, look for the most basic planner that you can, if that's how you operate. But true, I like planners. I like writing, I should say. All right, are you ready for the next one? Yes. Jacob is up next asking, um, question, what is your process for improving courses when you teach it again, whether the next semester or year? I'm a sixth to 12th grade public speaking teacher looking uh, to tweak for the second semester. Dude, dude, this is such a great question. I I don't know that people do this uh, enough. Um, So first, Here's one of the mistakes I made. When I start first started teaching on my paper lesson plans, I would write each day like a win or or a loss. I have friends that call them like a rose and thorn, right? That what what was something that worked? What was something that like I need to tweak for next time? Even if I don't have that idea now, but I just know like this intro didn't work. This, this video wasn't as good. Um, stuff like that. I then got away from that because it, it felt like, uh, it was another thing to do every day. And I didn't have, the, I felt like I didn't have the time, even though it's nonsense. Um, so here's, so I would put it off. And then at the end of the year, I promised myself that I'd go back and write all these things. And even if I did, 
you can't remember. There, think about how much there is to think about as an educator every day. I just couldn't remember all of that stuff. So what I find now is that um, what I started doing was voice notes. So I would just either I would record it or now you can use. Uh, oh, gosh, what is the one that I started using uh, that Darius put me on to? There's a text to speech app that is above all else. Uh, and I cannot remember what it's called <laughs> right now, which I know is not useful to anyone. Um, but it was, I don't know, whatever it is. It was using text to speech apps or using my, um, so like just pulling up my notes section, right? And then using the voice uh, aspect of it. So even if it's not a hundred percent, I have to like figure a little bit of it out later. It at least keeps regular notes. So I know what has worked and what hasn't worked. Sometimes I think of this with regards to like in a month, I will do this. So then at least it's categorized. Then I take those, I just copy them, I paste them into a Google document. Again, so they are there, they're by date. Uh, so that's that's a good way. Another way that I've done it in the past too is I have Google, like so I have Google Slides that I use for my class. I have a PowerPoint slide that's up on my board every single day. I've made tons of videos about this. And then each day has a set of slides. I started writing in the notes section under the slides, what I liked or didn't like, what I could do next time, what I might be able to improve. So then it was all in one space. The other thing I like about this is it keeps my absolute flow for the year. So I have 180 days or whatever. I have slide decks built out that are the entire school year. And then each year I don't use the same one. I make a copy of it because I don't want to lose that original one. So now I can actually go back like 10 years and see how my, my lesson has changed, how it's evolved, the videos, the hooks, the music, the anticipatory set, the pre-class, the bell ringers, the exit tickets, all the stuff is on there. And so, which I've tried to share with folks, it does not make as much sense to other people because they don't know like what I'm doing with all this stuff. And there's, I don't like have a thing to explain it because I, because I know me. But it is, that has been a way. What I would say, Jacob, is once you find something, stick with it for at least a season, right? And and make yourself do it. That reflection piece is the best thing. I, I think you can't, you can't grow unless you know what you did. That was almost a bar. You can't grow unless you know what you did before. And then just noting it, even if it wasn't like, even if it's, I need to find a better video for this or kids, kids kind of like crapped out about two minutes into this thing that we were doing like it. And so looking for those different shifts and changes, because you'll swear you're going to remember it and you just don't. So that's a couple of the ways that I've done it uh, to really try and remember, you know, what, what I need to do next time. And I'll tell you what else has worked for me and not that this is immediately applicable to anyone, but YouTube. I swear there have been times when I'm like, yo, what do we do? Like, I'll be talking to Fines or something at school. And I'm like, who was one of my co-teachers? I'm like, Fines, how would we do this last year? And I went back to videos and I'm like, oh, snap, we did this. Like, let's do this again. And that was, YouTube is a really great reminder for me of, of how I did stuff. All right. Um, Paris is up next. 
saying feeling discouraged this year with lack of motivation for, from students. Many don't care about their grades and talk over each other during discussions. Unsure what to do other than to call home suggestions. So don't underestimate that call home piece. I'm going to tell you right now, Paris, I, I have for years because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to burden parents. I thought it was embarrassing. There was a sense of shame sometimes that I would feel or just like it was another thing to do. And but as a parent, right, there are certain lessons I've learned as I've gone in life that I've learned because I've been on the other side of it. When my son is not doing well in school and I just see the grades, but I don't know why. And no one's reaching out to me. So it's not about reaching out to parents to just tell them their kid's failing. It's looking for clues. It's looking for answers. It's looking for, for success. And so sending home, like I said before, trackers is a really great one. Keeping student trackers. I made a video this week and talked about aspects of a project that we publicly display uh, as part of like a way to, so kids can see like, am I doing something? Am I not doing something? Because kids often, how many times do y'all have kids like right before report cards come out? They're like, wait, wait, what? I'm missing, I'm not missing that. I handed that in. And, you, and then they find it at the bottom of their book bag. So having something up that shows is a homework tracker for the quarter or for the week or you know, whatever it is, you're, you're publicly tracking, you're not putting grades up, but I just do like a sticker, half a sticker or no sticker. So kids can see where they're at. So they have a good sense of like, of reminding them, right. It's the same reason I use habit tracker apps for myself. Um, so that's part of it. The other thing is this, there is, there is someone Paris that is finding success in your school with the same group of students or has in the past. It's just happening. Um, there are other teachers in the world that have students very similar to, or that are even more challenging than your students. The differentiating factor is the, the ability of the teacher. And I don't say that remotely to make you feel bad about yourself. Not even, I wouldn't even begin to go there. Uh, what I heard the other day, I put this on Instagram. I saw this dude talking about it where he said, and I've heard people say this before, but somehow for some reason this hit different. It hit, it really hit home the other day. They said that they they were taught that you need to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. And the more often we can do that, the better off we are. And as so is everyone else. So when you, let's say you and your spouse are in the room together and one of you is in a really good mood and one of you is in a bad mood. One of you is, ch is changing. We don't ever go through the day. We certainly don't go through the day where one of us is in a good mood and one's in a bad mood. And we either one's coming down or the other one's coming up, right? It's never like we're just like cohabitating the same space and being in these two wildly different moods. I don't know why, but it, it just never happens. So if you're a thermostat, you control the temperature. If you as a teacher are a thermostat, you control the temperature. If you are a thermometer, the kids are, you are letting them dictate how you can teach today. And so there's a lot of ways that you can do to kind of get better with that, right? Maybe, but, but some of them seem so simple that it is, they are often, I think people overlook them, right? Like getting a full night's sleep for a week in a row changes who you are. It just, if like... I know today I was having this moment um, 
and I won't even get into why because it's not really even important. But like, um, well, I will, I'll tell you just so there's a sense of context and it's not like this mystery. Um, we have gone to, so we're church hopping here in, in New Mexico and we went to the same church for two weeks in a row. I was had high hopes that I was just like, oh, this looks like a cool place. Like people seem nice and stuff. Um, let me tell you, no one talked to us. Nobody, like the pastor saw me two weeks in a row. People look around and see us because we're clearly the new family of four standing in the back. And uh, we didn't even sit in the back. We sat like towards the front because I'm looking to meet people. I'm looking to build community. No one said anything to us, right? And so I came home and then that started down like a spiral of like aggravation about different things. And I immediately knew that I, this doesn't stay, that if I can, um, shit, like I need to go on a walk. I need to Sunday teacher talk is always great for me. For some reason, y'all don't even know that, but it is. Um, it's if I go for a walk, if I spend a little bit of time outside, if I take a nap, like there's certain things I can do that are just, I just know myself, they're going to make me feel better. Then I'm going to deal with the, with my issue with that differently. Um, cause I immediately want to send the pastor an email. Be like, like <laughs> Yo, I'm not, like, here's the problem. Um, the so with that, it is like things like getting a good night's sleep, things like I hate to say it, but exercise, things like uh, growing in your abilities, right? So, like, picking up a book on, on teaching, something that's going to get you excited, right? Not just something that's going to make you feel like you don't do enough. So, like, I guarantee you, y'all, if you haven't read Dave Burgess's book, Teach Like a Pirate, you just feel like you want to take over the world after you get done reading that book. If you like do like whether you go to therapy, whether you go to some kind of self-improvement seminar, right? The new year is coming up. There's all kinds of stuff popping up on like sign up for these challenges and stuff. You're worth the money. Take the money, invest it in yourself and get yourself a coach, a mentor, join a class, join a course. These are things that make us feel better Instead of waiting for our kids to get better, we get better so then I can handle this. And that doesn't just mean I'm great and the kids can still be subpar or be aggravating. No, the kids will not be like that anymore. But it's some of those things. It's remembering that there are things that if we choose to walk confidently in, in, that, in the direction of what we are called to do, and, and we start looking for answers, sometimes outside of education, right, like therapy, it is we are getting better and then we can do better work. So you can do Paris. I, I know you can do it. And that's why like, I really harp on these sorts of things. Um, and look, because here's how I know you can do it and that you want to do it. Cause it is, it is a Sunday afternoon, two weeks from Christmas. And you are a small part of a small group of individuals that is on a live right now to ask your question. Like not everyone else does that, right? It's like, it sets you apart. And so the next step of that is I is so you identify the issue is like and this asking the question and being willing to get this answer for all of y'all is part of that step. But then it's what's next and what's next and what's next until I am unstoppable. So that would be my advice. That's pretty powerful. Man, I'm I'm like Pastor You're Reynolds like, up here today. It's because of my poor time at church today that I'm just like. <laughs> it's just coming out of me. Amen. Let's go. What's the next one? Brody said he felt really, he liked that church today because no one raised their hands when they were singing. That makes <laughs> oh. him feel really uncomfortable. 
funny? I said you should just give them high fives. Hold on. Maybe that. I just I just thought that, that I was, couldn't sing. That was one of his loud voice. whispers today when he was. Uh, <laughs> he does whisper so loud, doesn't he? Dad, that's <laughs> so much better. No one was raising their hands. <laughs> He's hilarious. Okay, Aaron's asking, how do you provide rewards slash consequences that are not given to the class as a whole? I have one class that has about ten students who are constantly requiring more attention slash management. Um, it's one of the classes I'm. It's one class and I'm tired of having to change what I'm doing because if you can't handle it. So Aaron, I think we're talking about the idea that everyone else in that class can handle it, but those 10 kids can't. And then it seemingly, it seems to ruin it for the other students. I, I have zero issue with loving on kids affirming kids, giving out incentives, prizes, things to students that are doing a great job, even if that means that the 10 that are causing the problem are going to go, wait a minute, oh, why and I, I, but I did this, how come I don't get a sticker? How come I don't get, you know, and I give out weird stuff sometimes. Like one time I had a kid in the class, I had a class that was so bad and I had one student every single day that was great. And I was like, I pulled him aside. I said, it was his name was Greg. Greg, listen, man, um, you're like, I just want you to know that this class is uncommon. You are in here with kids that are deeply uh, disruptive and, and that, and it wasn't even with me. They just bickered all, it was like a bunch of kids that just didn't like one another. And it was really difficult to build community in there. And we, I'll, I'll tell you what, we did get there by the, by the, I'd say even the, the last third of the year, which it's still a celebration sometimes, people, because it's like, man, I can do it. I just got to quicken it up next time. So we got there, but for Greg, I just thought Greg was doing such a great job. I just put it out there. One week I made Greg popcorn. I go, this week, I go, Greg, do you like popcorn? Oh, yeah, I love popcorn, Mr. Reynolds. Anytime this week you want popcorn, you just let me know. I'm going to hook it up. How? Don't you even worry about it. So I had a teaching assistant. I had Joe in the back of the room. Uh, teaching assistants were like students that were juniors or seniors that had that opted out of a study hall. And then they would come and help a teacher with grading and all kinds of different stuff. So Joe's chilling in the back of the room. We're working on something. Anyone have any questions? Greg's hand goes up, right? He's going he's gonna to test me. Um, yeah, Greg, what's up? Uh, Reynolds, can I have some popcorn? Greg, you got it. Joe, hit it. Joe goes down to the office. He has microwave popcorn. I have like this like cool bowl and stuff like that. Brings it down. The deal is Greg's not allowed to share it with anyone. So then Greg just posts up in the back of my room. I had this nice upholstered chair and he just eats popcorn. Well, now all the other kids are like, everyone gets hungry. Everyone wants popcorn. I'm like, bro, look, you got it. Like my man, Greg shows up. He shows, comes to school every day. He's doing his work. He's an active participant. He asks questions. Like he makes class better because he's here. Like, I'm, I'll buy it. I'll make popcorn for everybody, but y'all got to get this in line. And I will say that that made other kids get it together a little bit more just because they wanted that. It wasn't even the popcorn. It was saying, Reynolds, I'd like some popcorn. And then bam, handled it, right? Um, I've had cereal parties for individual students where I have those small boxes of cereal, uh, bring in some milk, they pour it right into the box, or I have like a bowl right there. And sometimes I would put like a candle out uh, because you got to be extra. 
and I'd have like personal uh, cereal parties in the back of the room for kids, kids giving kids stickers, calling kids back at the end of the day and saying, listen, y'all, I know today got a little bit nuts. I just want you to know that even though I don't get to interact with you as much as I would like, like y'all are just, you're just, you make my day better. And I love that you're in class and I love that you're here. You could do that with notes. I've written letters to students. I've called students homes. It is about loving, like loving on those kids so that they know that even in the midst of the madness that you deeply like that their good efforts are not lost on you and that you see them as they make your day better and that you're noticing their hard work, inviting kids in during lunch. And I just grab a dozen donuts from the local donut shop and find out everyone's favorite donut and do donuts there, do a full cereal party there, buy pizza for kids. And so the other kids will find out about this, but it is not, I'm, this is not exclusive. I want to invite as many people into this as humanly possible. And so I just, I do that and it just works. Uh, it, it's, it was, had a great effect, kept kids motivated that were doing the right thing and sometimes motivated kids that weren't doing the right thing to do the right thing. But um, yeah, so that's that's how we get down. Food motivates. High Especially teenage kids. boys. I mean, come on, man. Just I think most kids, right? Everybody, most people are motivated by yeah. food. Uh, okay. KP is up next asking, I work at a Title I school with chronic attendance issues. How can I support students who only come to class once a week to feel included academically and socially when they miss so much? I... This is a great question. It is, it's frustrating. I think, I think part of the issue KP is that it's so deeply frustrating because when students aren't coming to school, then they require so much more time because school's not just the work, right? It's like, not, it's not like you could just, we saw this during COVID, right? Where we like teachers thought or got to the point where they were just giving kids work, kids were handing work back in. School is about the participatory aspect of it, right? It's about being challenged in real time. It's about engaging and, and doing, working on things together and collaboration and, um, and being a part of this process, not just handing back in a worksheet, right? That's the culmination a lot of times is the assessment, whether that be a worksheet or a test or a quiz or a project, that is the culmination of all this stuff that we've been doing. So when you're not in school, you're not just missing work. You're missing the experience of education. And so sometimes it's having those conversations with kids. It's like the getting them fired up about being here and what they're missing out on. Um, and when we can't do that, sometimes it feels like there's very little for us to do because now they show up and they haven't been here for a week. And now I got to what catch you up? Like, and then that is, that's difficult for students because it is, they are not, um, they don't feel a part of things. Like they come in and there's jokes they don't understand. There's concepts they don't understand. There's references like to like the short 30 second Pixar clip that you showed last week or that quick experiment that we did or that math project that we went out to the parking lot and did. Now I'm talking about it. And they're like, wait, what? We went outside. Like what even happened? I don't even know what y'all are talking about. And so that is some of the issue. I say it goes deeper. I say this is an administrative issue first, that we need to find ways that we're going to hold kids accountable to get them to come to school. 
that's going to be where it starts. Because again, it can't just be intrinsic, right? Like it's hard to get kids to go there. Um, but extrinsic, if I hold you accountable, at least get you in the building, right? Then I can build a relationship with you. I can't even build a relationship with you if you're not in school. It's then pouring into those students, holding them accountable, letting them see like that. Here's like, all you got to do is this, this, and this, and your grade can go up or, you know, it's help. It's gamifying it sometimes so that kids see that the showing up to school, the doing the work, isn't just, it's not so hard. It is, I think sometimes holding parents accountable for when their students are not coming to school, you know, a lot, some parents have a lot going on and kids are, they leave before school starts and then kids don't go to school and mom or grandma or dad don't know until it's too late. And so it's really holding that level accountable as well. Um, I would say for me, it has always been an, a, when this happened in my school, especially post COVID and with like our fourth new principal that had no idea what they were doing or how to handle this. Our team devised a plan where we were communicating with parents every day. We were letting parents know every, so what we did was we divided up our ninth grade so that I had a handful of kids that I was contacting every day. If they weren't there, I was contacting with parents if they needed something with their grades. If a parent needed something from the school and didn't know when the dance was, when the thing started on Friday, when grades were coming out, I was their point person, right? And not, I don't realize not every school can do this, but this is how we did it. Now I'm contacting those handful of parents every single day or week. Um, and I am their contact person. I then, I want to make it known to that student that when you miss school, you have to put in more work, right? Like you can't miss the gym one day a week and think you're still going to get the same results. You now have to find another day or more time or make those two days you're going to the gym longer to get that work back, right? To get those results back. But I try to make that attractive. It's, I don't try and make them feel bad about it, right? That doesn't, that doesn't motivate any, guilting someone doesn't motivate anyone. Um, not in the long term anyway, and not in a healthy way. So it is making opportunities after school. Yo, my classroom's a party every day after school, right? And it's kids just hanging out. It's kids learning together. It's kids getting tutored. It's kids getting help on stuff. There's other teachers in my room. It is the spot to be after school, right? So I have all these different teachers and all these different kids and we're in the room and we're doing work, but um, that makes it a place kids want to be anyway. So come in after school and I'm going to help you do, learn how to do this in five minutes. I want you out of my class. I don't want you to stay here longer than 10 minutes today because I want to lower the bar so that kids will actually show up. The more you pour in the kids, the more they feel seen, heard, valued, cared for, a part of the community, right? I went to high school because I liked my friends, not for school. I hated school. I liked my friends, but that was my driver. And I know that I've had students in a lot of those old videos that I have on YouTube. Those kids came to school because of each other, not because of, not because of school, but that's, but if I, whatever it takes for me to get you in the door, because then that's when education can start. And so I'll do anything. I'll bother your parents. I'll bother you. I will help you find friends. I will make things fun. I'll give out candy after school, whatever I have to do to get you in the building. Because now the, the, if I can get to the gym, the chances that I'm going to work out go up exponentially. When I'm sitting on my couch, they're really low. It's just getting my butt to the gym, right? And so 
that that's what I'm trying to do for kids and build into them. But I would really, I would KP, I would push admin to like, we need to figure something out. We need to figure something out. We need to figure something out and then go to them with solutions, go to them with ideas. But I would be relentless about that with your, and I'm talking about all levels of administration. What are we doing? Because kids are failing and we are failing kids. What are we doing to get students in the building? These are very long answers today. Sorry. Thank you. Um, Stone is up next asking, I'm actually not sure if this is a question, but maybe First of all, this. can we just stop a second? Yes. That's a great name. Stone. Yes. That's mm -hmm. an awesome name. Anyway. Uh, is commenting and saying, I student taught 9th, 10th, 12th this spring, and I took my first job. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, student taught. Yeah. It's still a lot. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I'm not a teacher. Uh, and I took my first job out of state as a sixth grade teacher. I'm conflicted whether I should move to high school. I love my school and admin, but the maturity levels hurt. So that's a thing. Um, I'll say if you love your school and admin, whoo, there's a number of people I'm sure in here in the chat right now that are going, that's worth staying. <laughs> to me, Stone, it was always about at what age did I need at, two questions? What age did I need me the most? So this Reynolds, uh, how old am I? 47? Mm -hmm. 47 year old Reynolds. I like that. I check with you because, you know, after 45, you're just like basically waiting for 50. I don't even, it's like, you know, the no man's land of forties. Uh, so I am at what age did I need this version of me as a teacher? That helped me go to ninth grade. In ninth grade, I felt invisible. I didn't talk to anyone the whole year. Um, I got bullied all the time. I felt worthless. Um, and it was the only, I never really, really flirted with suicide, but I do remember walking to school and just thinking like, you could just walk in front of a bus. Like I said, like the idea of that entered my brain. I don't ever want a student to even think that, to feel that way, to feel like no one cares about them, to feel like there's a bully and there's nothing they can do about it, to feel like their voice doesn't matter, to feel like they don't have anyone to talk to, to smile with, to laugh with all day. I, I work my ass off to make sure that, sorry, um, did you just look at me for saying that? I did. Um, I work diligently to help young people find connection and meaning in the school. Like, that's why we're here. Like, if I don't have that, then what are we doing? Just learning English. Um, Cause that, but some of that stems from what I needed. The other thing is where do my unique abilities lie? So I knew that I could teach elementary. Um, sometimes wonder what that would have been like, but I, liked that higher level thinking. I liked that ninth grade year specifically because it was coming out of childhood and entering into adulthood. And it was that sweet spot where there was still some goofiness, but you're still having asking higher level questions that it was like right there. And I know a lot of people that like, I think I got to teach ninth grade for my whole career because nobody else wanted to do it. They were like, dude, get the hell out of here. 10th grade is a little bit more mature. 12th is a lot more mature. 11th grade is incredibly meaningful because you have all these things that like, if you don't do them, you're, you know, it's like SATs and all that stuff are happening. Um, nobody wanted to teach ninth grade, but I knew that that was my, that was where I belonged. So I think it's asking yourself those two questions 
and not just like if you can grow into sixth grade, you could become the teacher that could have that class and have the maturity. But at the same time, those kids are on some different type of time because of their developmental level. So, um, yeah, but I, I'll tell you what, um, I would, when I, for me, Stone, if I don't feel that, that intuition that this is where I belong, I've never done anything with that, not for a hot second. Um, and I've gotten offered jobs at some really, really sweet schools that are doing great work, filled with great teachers. I just didn't feel it. Uh, I talk about this in my book. Um, the, the school in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, had a that looked the nicest aquarium I've ever seen, uh, which was anyway, that's part of the story in the book. But um, it is intuitively, do I feel like this is where I belong? Is this my assignment? And if I don't, then I keep looking for for what else. I wonder if you could stay in the same building if it's like you can stay with yeah. the same um, admin and um, school, but teach like eighth grade. Usually middle schools go up to eighth grade. Yeah, and look, every year is a huge development of shift, right? So sixth yeah, grade Yeah, so is, eighth grade, you might get more of the maturity that you're looking for. Yeah, um, there's eighth grade teachers going, no, no. no well, in comparison to sixth stacks, grade, this is yeah. what I'm talking about, not um, That's a good point. School. And Stone, sometimes we can't get what we want until we put in the time, right? When you're brand new, you might have to put in some time doing some grades or some work or teaching, doing some stuff that you like isn't your optimal but you, but you got to put in that time, show your, your worth, your, your capacity level, show stuff. Right. And then you can get there. Um, yeah. Unless, you know, it's, you know, the problem is too, is like, sometimes you'll have like at where I wasn't at boys Latin, nobody was getting ninth grade. No, they've had other ninth grade teachers they've hired and split us, but I've been asked a bunch of times, but no one was ever taking, no one was taking my classroom and no one was taking my class. <laughs> and because when you build a tree in your classroom, that's what happens. Because they don't want to move you. I often told kids, they're like, why'd you build that tree? I'm like, because they'll never move my classroom now. They think, you think they want me dragging that thing upstairs? And nobody wants to be asked to help with it. No. <laughs> All right. John is up next. <laughs> uh, asking... Um, due to things out of my control, I've been out of school for a total of three weeks throughout the semester. Students did not keep up with their work. So we were about five weeks behind. Um, how can I get through my curriculum in a thorough yet ex expedited manner? Uh, so I would say, Dawn, that I, what is so it's a couple of things. One, realizing that it is not going, you're not going to have the results that maybe you've had in previous years because you were out of school. And that's all right, right? Like life happens and we're going to make the best out of the situation. You're going to show up and, and make the best out of the situation, but it's making the best. And making the best means it's not what you typically have. And I think really, this sounds like no duh, but it's having peace with that. Um, and if, and I'm going to say this, this is audacious of me. Wait, let but, me, let me just interject. She please. says, um, that we are read, reading a novel and my school has a strict curriculum map. And so your school's going to have to bend with that. And, and as if you needed it, I'm giving you permission to give yourself grace with that because you, how can you fall behind three and a half weeks? And then unless, unless, cause here's, here's the only way that can happen 
is the burden falls on the students. So now instead of 20 pages a night, we were like, all right, gang, we got to catch up. We got 50 pages to read a night. Then no one's going to do that, right? Students didn't do anything wrong. Um, if they didn't have someone there to coach them through that three, three and a half weeks. No, they did. They didn't do the work, she said, in her previous class. Yeah, but that's because kids don't do work like that. Like, okay. right? Like my students wouldn't do that either. But the sub should have, like if, if the school knew that someone was going to be out for that long, the school should have put someone in charge that was teaching kids. Mm. They weren't just... Um, even if you're playing an audiobook every day and handing out the worksheet or something, right? Like there should okay. have been, there's some level of competency there that they could have had. Um, and look, I don't know all the intricacies. So maybe they're maybe they didn't know, like maybe you were out a little bit and then it was turned into a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and your school was doing the best that they can. I that's possible too. Um, but I would say that so for instance, um, I just think about like when I'm reading, I'm trying to get through Romeo and Juliet in five weeks with all my ninth grade students. And I have one or two classes that fall behind because they're really struggling because they really don't understand it, that they just need someone to reiterate so much that every day has to be a review because you forget what we read yesterday because of processing issues and things of that nature. Um, I just started cutting parts out. And I know that that's blasphemous to a lot of literature teachers. I did the same thing with the Odyssey. I've done the same thing with Fahrenheit 451. I've done the same thing with a lot of books that I've read because it is not the book that I'm teaching, right? I'm teaching the concepts. The book is, is a vehicle for me to teach all kinds of other things, to talk about language, to talk about writing ability, talk about vocabulary, to talk about literary devices. There's all these things that are wrapped up in this the book is just the vehicle for me to get there. And although I, I honor the writing and I honor that, like, you know, Ray Bradbury wrote a great book. Fahrenheit 451 is a great book. In my opinion, though, there's parts we can leave out, right? Like we can get there. Um, it's like when they used to alter movies for those of you that are old enough. And they'd say, like, they put a movie on on a Friday night and they omit scenes because they needed it to fit into the two hours, right? Because of commercial breaks. So then you're watching and you're like, wait, what happened to the part where Marty McFly was doing this? Like, what happened to that? Uh, they, they omitted it. And so I think that um, it is editing things down. Sometimes I will tell kids what happened. All right, listen, because we were out, I really want to get to the end of this book. I don't want it to last longer than it is because then it's going to lose its it's going to lose its fire. And um, and I want to get on to the next thing because I want to build momentum. Um this chapter was basically this. I'm going to outline it for you. So then we go into chapter three, knowing exactly what happened and then moving along with our lives. Sometimes it's showing a bit of a movie or or if um, or if there's an animated piece of this book just for a chapter or two. So kids understand what's going on so that I can catch up to where I need to be. But because I do not want that burden to fall on the student. So that's kind of how I've done it in the past. Um, and to great success. All right, we're going to take our last question. Um, it's from Laura, and it's a four-parter. So I saw Sojung was in here, too. She was. Good work. Um, How are you? I haven't seen you in a while. So Laura is asking, I poked the bear last week when I asked admin for clarification on how our district is handling the holidays. One school in the district has a Christmas tree in the, in the lobby. Ooh. The other is holding uh door decorating contests meanwhile the school with the youngest population is being told to do nothing related to the holidays unless it is something that we would have done any time of year um, this is a different question and mm -hmm. i love it 
Keep going. Nothing, nothing in our effort to be inclus inclusive. I feel we may be going the opposite direction. I'm heartbroken for my class who, after a parent survey indicated that all of them celebrate the holidays. Uh, thoughts on how to move forward with my frustration during a season of joy. So, Laura, I would say, how do we, so there's a couple things here. One, good for you for going to ad administration. And this is something that I think needs to be pushed because it does need to become something that is, um, this isn't like, I, it just feels so good to walk into a school that's getting ready to celebrate the season. And I'm not interested in pushing anyone's religious beliefs in, on the school, even though, I mean, like, we can get into that. But, like, um, what I'm thinking about is, like, there is, whether it's Christmas or Han Hanukkah, I don't know why I was going to mess that word up, uh, or Kwanzaa, or if it's a time of the year when, like, what, with whatever is happening, right? It is it is a time, it is a season of, of joy, or it's meant to be. So how... How can we as a school rethink these times of the year and 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 help kids like celebrate this with kids, right? Like I, I I'm really fascinated for anyone that doesn't want to do that, doesn't think that's a good idea. And to be honest, I think that it's something that like when I, I often talked about going to administration and, and and asking for advice, asking for them to help things, but I do think it's equally as important, if not more important, to go to administration with ideas of how we can do this because they, I realized that administrators, many, many, many of which I've been friends with, especially in my own schools have more than they can handle on their plate. And whether or not we're putting up a Christmas tree up or not is like, they don't have the capacity to like, I, they can just sit back and like figure that one out. Right. So teachers coming together and figuring something out that is a good plan is oftentimes something that helps administrators to just say yes, because I didn't have to do this. And thank you all for doing this. So I think about doing, continuing to push that, uh, especially when there's this inequity in that like other schools are doing it in your district and you're not. Um, so I, but I do think it's something that should encompass all of your student population and not just a minority of your student population. So we're not just putting up a Christmas tree, but if we're doing that, do we have other aspects that rec that reflect other students that make them feel seen and cared for and thought of as well? The other piece is um, if, if we're thinking season of joy, I would just do things that were joyful. In this season of joy, you know, similar, I wrote a, I created a video a few weeks ago right before Thanksgiving break that talked about like how your students can write these really simple letters to other teachers to, to show their thanks to, or not even just teachers. It was to staff members in the school. How could your, could we do um, a celebration? Could we do a class party? Could we do uh, there's all kinds of stuff that we can do to celebrate, to have that season of joy without labeling it, a Hanukkah party, a Christmas party, a Kwanzaa party. Um, it's, but if we're not allowed to do this, that can't, they can't stop my joy. They can't stop my joy. So I'm going to come into school doing stuff that is joyful at this time of the year. And here's the other reason for doing that. I think is super important, Laura, because, and I talked about this in that video also, not all kids are set up. This isn't a season of joy for everyone. There's a reason we have canned food drives. 
And it's not, it's not like just so kids can give. It's because some kids need to get. There's a reason that we do toy drives because some of the students in your class need that. Without that, they're not getting a present or they're living in a, in a, in a group home or they're in foster care this year or they just lost a parent or their parents just like are a hot mess and, and, and home is not a very joyful place this time of year, right? Um, there's all kinds of reasons. So in that, I know that as schools, we can't solve every single problem and we, and, and we shouldn't even try. But there are these are huge moments where you can, at least in your classroom at this time of the year or at your school, is a place kids can tap into that holiday feeling, that holiday season of joy, of love, of giving, of caring. We are creating these opportunities and sprinkling magic in our schools and on our students to help them be a part of something. I just think that that is why wouldn't we want to do that? Right. Like, I, yeah. So that, that's where I'm at with that. I think one of the things she said in the comments was it, it's kind of whatever their district rules. Okay. I think the difficulty is that every school is doing different or doing their own thing instead of abiding yeah. by the rule. I find that to be really difficult when you are the rule follower and nobody else is. And it feels like, well, then you're getting penalized for even following the rules because you don't get to participate in these things that you would like to. Um, and th that's really important because then I end, I end up just being a rule I, breaker. Because then. I because I would be a rule breaker. <laughs> I would too. Right? Like, and, and I always like I'd just be like, that's so dumb. We're just gonna do it anyway. Now I would, but focus I realize more on that this. not I say those things, but I have to realize that not everyone else is there. Yeah. Right. That not everyone else is gonna do that. Um. But. Yeah, and that's gonna take me into a whole nother. Well, I was just gonna say because to me that's like. We do that for the Christmas season, right? And I understand why, because not everybody does Christmas, but we certainly still celebrate Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, like yeah. Halloween. Not everybody celebrates those either. So it, there's such a, it's so nuanced and such a gray. But every single holiday, which is why we, I don't, I never really talked about this, but we used to have small, um, Sometimes we'd have Groundhog's Day celebrations because I just think it's the <laughs> most absurd holiday and I love it because it's so ridiculous. But I think every holiday or occasion, it just gives a chance to make something awesome. Well, like you said, it gives a chance for joy, for caring, loving, giving, like all of these selfless kind of acts. Yeah. If you can like focus on those I think that that's but and but in these huge cultural ones, it's like, dude, why aren't we just doing this? We should just be doing this. So anyway, um, Laura, I'd love to know what happens with that. Uh, and for anyone on here, look, I, I don't say this enough. If you ever get an answer on here and it works or doesn't work out, you can feel, feel free to email us. I'd love to know or <laughs> drop it in the Facebook group and let us know. Um, we want to know the backside of this story, right? Like it's like what ha what happened next? I would love to know that if you're not part of our Facebook group, you really should consider going in there. It's Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk at Facebook. It's a great, great, great place um, filled with just educators. No one's selling you anything. Or, and if they are, then we really try and keep yeah, that. Yeah, we handle it. Uh, wow, we really got out, out of focus. So. Um, and look, if you're interested, my book is for sale. If you know a teacher that could use it, right? Like, I'm, I'm not just pushing this to make money, but like, if you know someone, that needs this book. It is actually, it's on sale right now for $17.95 on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it's the great, you know, give people the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so yeah, but it is, it is my pride and joy that book. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Gang, we will see you again next week. Uh, I think it's the last time before Christmas Eve. Is it? I think so. Maybe. Um, if you need anything before then, you yeah. can hit up right up at uh, realrapwithreynolds.com or just shoot me an email. Um, I hope you have all of a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.